Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the Nordics region to discuss industry passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Rachel, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers in the Swedish market. So today I am joined by Paul, Cassia, and Madura to discuss the importance of team culture. Now, before we delve deeper into this topic, what I would like to do is work our way around the room with some introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what it is that you do, and what your biggest passion is currently. So, Cassia, would you like to kick us off? Absolutely. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Katya. I work at the moment as an Agile manager at Folksam IT. I'm a manager for a group of uh, system engineers that work with different stuff in uh, infrastructure and operations department. The personnel in my group, they have different, well, tasks basically and competences, everything from database administrators to cloud, OpenShift, Azure, DevOps type of, uh, type of competences. Yeah, so a little bit of everything, uh, basically. I worked as a manager at IT um, Folksam for three years now. And before that, I worked as a Scrum Master, which is absolutely wonderful role, if you ask me. Yeah, and that's where my journey at Folksam started. Well, my passion, you ask, and what I do, I, I basically, what I do mostly is I'm working with staff and personnel. I'm hiring new employees, working with culture, really, in our department, like really hands-on. How do we... And uh, as a part of how do we keep our employees, how do how do we make that they actually enjoy working at Folksam and want to stay and want to develop? And basically, well, doing servant leadership where it needs to be done. That's, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Wonderful introduction, Cassie, and I can already tell that you're so passionate about the topic at hand. Now, I'd like to move over to you, Madara. Would you like to give us your introduction, please? Sure. Uh, hello to the listeners and hi everyone uh, in the room today. Uh, my name is Madhura Bombatkar and I'm an established enterprise technical lead for operational services. Uh, this role enables me to lead a team that is spread throughout the world uh, with daily execution and planning, uh, setting goals for quarterly basis and empowering the team to performance uh, for achieving their best in their daily work. I have acquired qualifications uh, in Master of Technology, Computer Science, and have been an active contributor in the technology world since 2015 under different roles. I'm also a friend to LGBTQ family and an ally uh, to multiculturalism, otherwise also called as a strong supporter towards diversity, equity, and inclusion. I am passionate about uh, incorporating my beliefs into my day-to-day -day work life and um, part of which is uh, joining such podcasts where people with same thoughts and uh, thinkings want to bring uh, something to the plate in this world. Fantastic introduction again. Thank you, Madura. Now, finally, I'm coming to you, Paul. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hey, Rachel. Um, great to be here. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. Um, so my name is Paul Leslie. I'm the software development manager here at Navico in Sweden. Um, and technology and software has really enabled me to travel the world. So um, I started off life as a software developer in Scotland. Um, from there, I moved to a role based in Qatar, in the Gulf state of Qatar. Um, from there, I moved to New Zealand and started to kind of sharpen some of my leadership skills, um, ultimately becoming the software manager for a team based in New Zealand. Um, I took the opportunity to move to Sweden about a year ago 
um, which is why I'm now based here in Gothenburg. Um, very, my passions very much align with what we've already heard from Madura and Katerina. Um, very much interested in bringing people to the work and, and how you do that in a supportive and um, creative environment. So yeah, really excited for today's conversation to get to dig into um, this topic a bit more. Amazing. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Well, now that we've established kind of a context to each of you, I can already tell that you're so passionate about the topic in hand. So let's move on to the topic in focus. Now, you all have prepared a question or a statement on kind of the importance of team culture. Now, as usual, what I will do is I'll work around the room asking each of you to kind of pose your question and the reasons behind it. Now, each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation and give the listeners your opinions. So today I would like to start with Paul. Now, Paul, I think you provided us with an amazing question to kind of start off this very important topic. So your question was, what is team culture anyway? And I'd love to hear from you first. What do you see as team culture, Paul? Yeah, super. Um, I thought I would kind of echo that question back to the, back to the room. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, culture is, we're very perceptive people, right? Humans can be very perceptive, um, particularly when we are put into a work environment where you spend a lot of time, right? Um, but I think, you know, it can be quite tricky to define what culture means. Because I think to a lot of different people, um, it can mean different things. Um, so I'm just really curious to hear from from the group here. What do you think are the essential ingredients to, to creating a, a great team culture? And what does that look like? Does anyone yeah. want to have a Madura? Do you want to have a, have a step yeah, at that? Okay. <laughs> well, um, my understanding in simple terms would be that team culture is like a balanced understanding uh, of the team members or the group where where they understand what exactly is group and individual purpose or what their exact role is within the team how they can be aligned with not just uh, their team's initiatives and goals but also eventually being a contributor to the organization's um, um, you know perspectives and uh, culture and uh, thought process visions or missions etc um, it also should be something that is carrying um, an equal balance from the leadership's contribution when the leadership is caring and encouraging the dream and uh, they are driving these individuals um, making sure that they're recognized but also balancing the team spirit um, so for me culture is like as you said not a very simple definition something that probably gathers a lot of lot of things a lot of perspectives a lot of thoughts i think that's what really attracted me to this conversation was that um like culture can be quite hard to define and there can be many different threads um to un understanding culture mm. um i think mm. 
what's really important, if you don't mind me jumping in, is is the relationships that you have between people. I think that's really what underpins culture because like, as far as I'm concerned, culture is something that you do, not necessarily something that you have. Um, and it's really built in those a thousand little interactions that you have over the course of, of many different days and years. It's really what helps build that culture. Yeah, I, I could... Mm. Katrina, do you have a, a different perspective, yeah. perhaps? Yeah, well, actually, yeah, I agree. No, not so different, really. You know, it was very interesting to reflect on this question. What is culture, anyway? Um, what I, as I understand it, uh, culture, team culture, is something is not something we say, but the way we are to each other. Uh, I'm thinking it is the way, it, it is the uh, behaviors that we reward. What kind of behaviors do we reward in our team, in our organization? Uh, in what way do we take responsibility? What kind of responsibility does each each one of us takes in the team context, in the organizational context, right? Um, it is the way um, we help each other to grow. You know, I had one one very good example of a culture that I felt okay. There is we are we are in in the right direction in my organization. The way we work with this subject, with the culture, it was one employee that is that hasn't worked that long at our in our organization. He came to me and said, "Well, you know, I feel when when I come to work here, I actually feel that everyone around me want me to succeed. Mm. I mean, if that's not the." Uh, goal or or a milestone in in the culture work i don't know what is really because i think that's that's the way like the, the way we give each other space to take responsibility but also everyone actually takes it you know both for the soft values and for the um yeah for the day-to-day -day work really um the way we encourage each other to grow and the way we all take responsibility for our teams to evolve really um you know yeah yeah i i completely agree when we are all leaders or managers at, at a certain level now what do you think comes to your mind when first when we say this word team culture for me when uh when i saw this question for the first time i heard the question for the first it was like what is team culture anyway and when I reflected on that question, it's like, hmm, what team culture did I build or did I contribute to? Uh, so my team um, in person is something that doesn't work at one location. We are situated in different uh, yeah. office places throughout the world. Um, so I started this initiative with my team where we would do a team lunch every month where we would take one and a half, two hours of our calendar and everybody would meet at one location in Gothenburg for all the people who are in Gothenburg, for all the people who are in uh, maybe US, they will meet in one location in US and they will spend some time with each other just to do some social interaction and, you know, know each other more, a little more than the daily work that we do. Uh, for me, this was a team culture building activity, but uh, do you guys think it's, it can be counted as a team culture? I think it's an element. Um, I don't think that's necessarily how I would define team culture. Um, I think, again, going back to relationships, I think that's really what underpins how the work is done, mm -hmm. right? Because ultimately it's people who get work done. Um, so I think a role that we have as leaders is really to help 
shape that culture by um, defining the the guardrails um, for for how those relationships formed and, and evolve over time. Interesting. You know, I'm thinking about your example, the way um, I think in your example, it's maybe not the activity itself, but maybe the signal it sends to all employees. And the signal for me, the signal I hear you tell that we value to take time and get to know each other. It is important for us to get to know each other and we want to invest time in that. That's like that signal is team culture for me, what is important for us and what we value. Um, Yeah, and there are different ways to get there, right, to get to know each other. Um, and and that of course depends on on if whether it's distributed teams right or or if you can meet uh, like weekly or you do fun stuff or you do some kind of retrospective activities whatever works for you. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I tried to answer this question myself by you know kind of googling around yeah. um, and also asking ChatGPT what what it thought what no, you how didn't. it defines team culture. <laughs> and interestingly. The, the same kind of almost dry um, explanation was was given as, as what I saw, you know, when when I googled around, which was, it consists of the shared values, attributes, and beliefs among a set of people. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the interesting fit thing there is maybe we'll address values later on. Oftentimes these aren't something that we necessarily discuss. Right. Sometimes these are just things that come out organically. Um, based on how we how we act and how we interact, um, I'm really fascinated to see how those company values, right? So typically, I don't know if you work in maybe a small or large organization, mm-hmm. they'll generally have maybe five values that um, are proxies for how we um, how how the organization sees itself, um, and it's you know it's um, as Katrina said, what it values. Yeah, yeah. Quite often, those are done by a leadership team that you may not interact with, right? So I'm really interested to, I, I guess, interact with in the sense of you don't have necessarily a direct relationship with them, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in, in my organization, um, you know, we, I'm now part of a much larger organization, let's say 20,000 people, mm-hmm. right? So um, some of the people who established those cultural values are maybe four or five people removed from me in the organization and in, in, in the hierarchy, right? So. Yeah. I'm in an interesting place where my team has now been given a new set of values, right? Um, okay. Where this is now what we believe. Um, so how, I guess my question would be, how do you take your team on that journey to wrestle with that, to to engage with that, right? Um, I think that's a, a really interesting problem. Yeah. And I think that's where your initial statement comes at Bitter, Paul, where yes, team culture is not a single sentence definition. Because as you said, maybe something was a culture for for your team until now, and now you have added more to it or removed something of it, and now the culture entirely has to change. Uh, th- that is all about how we will build on the existing team culture, modify it, uh, grow through it, learn through it. Well, I mean, even for the rest of the world outside the technology uh, space, culture has always changed its definition. Uh, so. I think that's a really important point. Sorry, Mandira, jumping in, yeah. but culture is something that absolutely evolves, right? That isn't okay. static. Yeah. Um, and I think a big part of that is because, generally speaking, um, organizations do evolve, right? People come and go, and they bring new ideas and new experiences, and therefore, 
yeah, naturally the the culture has to evolve. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's why I think uh, no organization or no team should have a team culture where it's more of an enforcing kind of a uh, belief to the new team members, because then we are sort of closing gates for this evolution that, that you just talked about. We need to make sure that uh, as leaders, the team is engaging and absor- absorbing this team culture and then contributing to it. We have to provide that, you know, um, comfort and that as leaders, we are responsible to make sure that this contribution is done well, because probably we are leaving behind a team culture uh, when we might uh, leave this place. So I think we are a huge contributor to the whole team culture sort anyways. I think um, if you mind me interrupting, what's interesting there is I think you have all kind of alluded to almost Medora's question in your kind of conversation there. So if you don't mind, I kind of want to introduce that. So Medora, your question was about company values kind of versus team culture. So your question was, should company values take precedence over team culture or should they always be in alignment? So would you kind of like to run us through this question a little bit? I know we've alluded to it already, but give us your stance on it. Well, when this question came to my mind, it was more of just a question. (laughs) I had no answer uh, for it. And that's why I was like, hmm, uh, seems like we're going to have a nice discussion with people uh, who are interested and passionate about the same thought. Let me, this this is the right platform for me to find the right answer for this question that has been tingling uh, in my head for a very long time. So, uh, yes, it is the biggest challenge, I feel, um, in my today's day-to-day work life or uh, in my work environment that having an alignment with the company values is one thing, but uh, suppressing your team's thoughts and team's culture and uh, you know, giving the company values more precedence, okay? Or should it always be in alignment? Because I don't think that's very possible to be on a hundred percent alignment all the time. As you said, Paul, we are an evolving uh, field, and of course, so should the team culture evolve as well. Uh, so, what do you guys think? That was an interesting question. You know, when I read this question, I was thinking like, okay, I wonder what what's the uh... What's the example? Is there any example behind it? Because I had a bit hard time picturing really this example in real life. Um, for for me, maybe I will sound a bit frank in this way. And but I think the team culture cannot clash with the company values. Uh, there must be a they must agree in some way. I think. Well, it it is different things, right? Company values and team culture. You can have your own values within your team. That is one of the groundstones of your team culture, but I don't really see how they can clash because there, if that happens, I fear there will be big risk of creating subculture and company within the company. You know, mm-hmm. we and they kind of attitude and that culture itself is very unhealthy. So I feel that if that would happen. Uh, like in, if there is any real example of that happening, that's definitely something to address and look at why is this happening? Why maybe ask yourself a question, ask team the question, why do we have our own values, our own culture so different to companies? Why do we have a need for that? Why is it so different? Is there any way that we can maybe um, um, 
find the driving force or, or stand is there any way I can stand behind the company values because you know guys the last years I see it is due to um due to the um, um how do you say it um um, um hum- many possibilities for IT personnel uh, to to change jobs you know and this kind of um well culture again right where it's totally normal to just change your position or change your employer like every second year or third year it's not considered strange anymore when you're looking at cv and you see every third year like that's mm-hmm. about right so in in this kind of fast changing world especially with an it i found that um to keep the personnel in in your workplace it has to be some kind of value-based connection because the 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 work tasks are fun and interesting everywhere they're exciting everywhere you can pass you can work in in at any employer in the world basically especially after pandemic right i mean in distributed teams so the possibilities are endless and what does it take to keep your employees and and contribute value to your company it is the value driven connection in a way mm. right so I think it's a very uh, important thing to address really with your team. Can you stand behind the company values? Is it something that you connect deeply to? And I'm showing to my heart, you know, because that's what it comes within. Uh, I think if, because if you're not, you will soon get bored or tired and change job. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, so somewhere you feel that it is basically the team's responsibility to make sure that they are aligned with the company's value. Uh, because having like on a superficial level for the organization going down to every core team and understanding if uh, they they are adhering to the same values or not probably that's that's not uh, that's not an easy way or no no not in a big organization really i exactly. think maybe yeah. it's possible in a small i haven't worked in such a small you know startup kind of environment that would be fun to see how it works but I do believe that the change can be started from the bottom up, you know, uh, but not not in a big organization like ours. I mean, we're like 700 IT employees. That would be extremely challenging. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the leader has a, a role to play here, right? Um, I think it's the leader's job to internalize the values and make sure that they are well understood by the rest of the team, but also to bridge, I guess, the team's initiatives to to those values, right? So using language that doubles down on the values, that highlights where these values are being brought to the team. I think I think that's a really important job of the, of the leader. Mm. Um, I think a big part of culture is also language um, and how we use language at work. I think that's why I love this this topic, right? Because it's, it's so yeah. multidimensional. Absolutely. I yeah. can yeah feel where that comes from for you Paul but you have worked in a huge organization before as well have you never felt this uh, challenge Paul that there seems to be some misalignment between the organization's uh, values and visions and missions and the team is probably just working in some sort of isolated uh, you know yeah again so I'll give you a good example. We so my I mentioned earlier, teased earlier that my my company was bought by a much larger organization. Um, so we went from being in a team of maybe a thousand people to being part of a twenty thousand people organization. Mm-hmm. Right. I used to hire people, or I spent a, a lot of time making sure that 
I had a good story for what our company values are. Um, so that when I think Katrina, you mentioned earlier hiring, like yeah. I made it part of my mission to when I was hiring to make sure that people understood what the values were. Right. I think that's probably the best place in which you can make that decision that like, if, if you're not in alignment with those values, you're, you're certainly probably not the right person. Uh, oh, absolutely. To, yeah. to come to this organization. Yeah. Um, but now we're in a position where those values have changed, right? So I now need to almost map our previous values to our, our new values. Um, so I think that just takes a little bit of time to figure out, again, using language. Um, one of our, our values was teamwork. That's pretty generic, right? Mm. One of our new values is united. Um, mm. So the way I look at that is, well, teamwork is now spelt united. So you need to figure out how to use that language um, to map behavior to those values. Well, that's very interesting that you give this example because now that makes me think of, you know, like teamwork and united, really. Uh, th- it's not that big of a difference. No. Maybe that may- maybe it shouldn't be that dramatic. In this case scenario, I'm thinking it's, the change is not that dramatic. Exactly. So, yeah, maybe. Actually, you'll probably like find this. that, yeah, you'll probably find that there is a way in which you can map maybe sub-team culture behavior to, mm. you know, the larger organization's values, perhaps. Mm. But yeah. again, it's just maybe just pulling out a few um, or, or, or spotting a few examples where, where that's the case. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, when, when the values are changed this way from the company, uh, from the company leaders, right? Um, I'm thinking very important is the why, as long as they explain why they're doing the change. Why is it important to make the change? Why is it important to, to pick another board for instance, instead of teamwork for United, uh, yeah, that, then you can have this kind of more and more fact-based conversation with your team. You know, as, as long as we are not, as long as we are not using "that's the way it is" phrase, mm-hmm. and and can have like grown-up to grown-up conversation, then I think it will be fine. <laughs> In any way. Well, a, a, a little bit story to uh, to why this question also reminds me. Uh, the first time I got this question in my mind was when I was watching this documentary on Netflix uh, about an organization. Um, the story, I think, is is now known to the whole uh, business world uh, for sure. So uh, we can talk about it out loud. Um, the organization, which was well, supposedly big enough, a group of 1,000, 5,000 employees, uh, working uh, for this company, and they had a traditional team culture and a process, uh, you know, uh, flow and uh, a culture that they had set for the team or for for the organization altogether. And then comes a huge change in the world, in their world, where this company is taken over or is opened uh, into the share market. And now they have people to answer and uh, they have uh, shareholders to answer and they have uh, now their team culture changes based on uh, these higher um, stakeholders requests and they start performing actions based on the team culture provided by the organization which is now the shareholders Um, i'm talking about boeing here by the way Um, when i was watching that documentary one thing that stuck with me was a sentence given by one of their very senior employees Uh, who, of course, retired, uh, apparently. Um, He said that when we were a private organization, when we were people working with people, 
our team culture clearly had a flow and said that when you're handing over something to the next uh, team, you make sure your part is completely done. There is no time force, hard time force uh, put on you to deliver. So you could always give your best and make sure that uh, we perform whatever we do to the best. But then when we were out in the world where shareholders had these time pressure and money pressure on us constantly, we lowered down our team values and team culture and made sure that we delivered faster than taking our own time, sweet time to do the right thing. That's what caused the whole big accident, apparently. And that's what brought the whole organization down. Uh, so that's where the question came for me. It's like just because the higher management or the stakeholders or somebody is creating a new team culture or new team value or organization culture, should that take precedence or should we just stick to what we know is right as a small team? Well, this is a very interesting example, you know, Madhura, because now when I hear the example, I'm thinking that in this case, the management should have set the tone for prioritizing the right thing, right? Do you prioritize the uh, the fast delivery? Do you prioritize uh, quality, mm-hmm. uh, work-life balance? What is the uh, What should we prioritize? And there, I think management should have set this tone and helped the employees to 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 follow it really. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but in this kind of situation, I mean, it's very hard. To, to just like, you know, stand on your own, this big organization that's making a change. But in our team, no, 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 we're going to do it our way. No, that doesn't work, really. I mean, yeah. when, these, when these changes are happening, you got to find a way. you got to sit down and talk to a team like this is happening to us. We cannot influence it. We cannot change it. What approach should we find in this situation so we survive, so we continue to deliver so continue to develop so we continue to enjoy our work yeah so i think in this situation it it is it, it is about the approach that we in our team should have to this outside um situation agree completely and that also uh, um explains why the question that you asked in the beginning why are we changing the values if that why is discussed properly with the rest of the team there is some sort of uh, on why are we making this change? Uh, it would reduce life much more easier. I think what's um, important there, Maduro, is you kind of mentioned briefly about um, transparency. Now, uh, Cassia, you kind of brought this question to the table and I feel like this has naturally led into it, which is perfect. But you wanted to talk about, you know, how important is a transparent team culture and what does it look like? Now, you've already kind of touched upon it there, but could you give us a little bit more information? Well, yeah, you guys, you know, I was very interested in, in hearing you, your thoughts about the transparency because, you know, that is such a cliche thing to say in the interview when, when you when you come to a new company like, oh, our transparency is great. We're so open to each other. You know, you hear it everywhere. It's such a cliche thing. And I find myself in situations when I actually come to different places to hear people talk, talk about the work situation. I'm thinking, well, wait a second. This is like in the last sentence, you've lifted like three red flags. That is totally not transparency in the way I understand it. Like, what do you mean? Like, you don't feedback each other? No. Okay, and you say that you have transparent culture. What do you mean? <laughs> so, um, where in my um, standpoint is that the organization should be 
as transparent as possible at the moment. And the reason for that now, I think, is the fast changing, what the shift, if you will, of responsibility taking. We're talking very much in our workplaces now about the um, self-leadership, right? It's a very buzzword to say now, the self-leadership. And once again, what does it mean? Uh, well, but for our employees to take and, and show the self-leadership, they got to have the, the information, right, to take the decisions. And to have the information, they got to have information from all different points of view or levels of organization, really, uh, to be able to take the best decision in their situation. They cannot do that. The organization is not transparent with the information, right? Uh, so that's that's my maybe... Um, well, one of the topics that I, I, I find myself reflecting on quite often, um, how do we, how does it look like when the organization is transparent, really in the IT world, especially when we have so much information flow around us, um, how does it look like? And, and do you have any examples of when the, the uh, not transparent or the opposite of that um, has uh, affected uh, employees and uh, team performance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my previous experience says that uh, transparency is a thin line as managers, a lot of people have to balance through. Uh, of course, there is not, I mean, this is, this is not a surprise to you guys as well. As a manager, you know, you can't just take everything that comes from higher management and pass it on to the team. There has to be a filter. There has to be certain things that are opted down probably some sort of confidential information or uh, yeah, anything that's related or somewhere in that area for sure. But so, so that's not what we discuss when we say the word transparency, right? Transparency comes in, um, in sort of direct feedbacks. I feel, uh, it should be something, it should be a feeling that we help grow within the organization where people feel comfortable enough for providing direct feedbacks because unless someone disagrees, how else are you supposed to test for the unconventional paths? And until we try something unconventional, we, we probably won't make any invention. So it's very necessary for sure that we provide this sort of uh, comfort area, a transparent uh, work environment where people feel comfortable to come back and tell us as managers that, okay, this is something we feel you're not doing right. Or maybe there is another approach that we can take for this thing. And so goes on and on. So I completely agree to your thought. We should mm. certainly have a transparent uh, team culture because it's going to play a really vital role in an organization's growth. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm thinking in organization now, when uh, we're talking feedback, um, I'm thinking like, well, yeah, every organization has this kind of filters, you know, like stage when, when the information just zippers down the organization until it reaches all the employees. Uh, and, and I know I finally, uh, I recognize the situations when managers sitting in different meetings, you know, how should we present this information so it will be interpreted in the right way? Well, guess what? It will anyway be interpreted in a thousand different ways. As many employees you have, they will interpret it in their own way. doesn't matter how many hours you sit in this meeting. So I'm, I'm like, you know, actually thinking like, do I dare be totally transparent? Like, do we dare? What's the worst thing that can happen? It is, we still have miscommunication. 
and we're sitting in these meetings. We still have different interpretation. We still have the like thousands of questions. What what's the difference? I mean, oh. if we if we what would happen if we wouldn't um, like massage all the uh, information into you know popular versions, if you will? Um, that's yeah. that that's yeah. Paul, what what do you think? What are your thoughts? I see, I see you like thinking about yeah, it while we're talking. I don't know. Maybe in my head, I'm reframing the problem from transparent to trusting, because it sounded okay. like a lot of what you were saying was perhaps there was maybe a little bit of mistrust um, within certain situations. I'm not saying there is. I'm just the story I'm telling myself in my head. Yeah. yeah. Um, so rather than aiming for a transparent organization. I don't think it is necessarily required that everyone knows everything in the extreme case, right? At, at any one time, like, as Madura said, I think you need some some level of filters. Yeah. I think what we should, what a better aim would be would be for a trusting organization um, where teams have that f- strong foundation of trust. Well, to some point, for a very huge organization, maybe yes, this this sort of filter really helps. Uh, for the organization where we are. Uh, maybe not that large, then transparency right uh, from the top to bottom management works miracles. Uh, I have fortunately had an experience in both sort of organizations, an organization which consisted of 25,000 employees and an organization which was uh, of 400 people. Uh, the huge difference that I felt in uh, the way the both, both the organizations worked was... Um, a common platform or a communication channel. For an organization that is small enough for 400 people, every information would be on on this um, intranet communication channel. Uh, Even if somebody is joining, somebody is leaving, you know, tiny successes to biggest achievements, everything would come down on intranet. Even even if it's like a huge bad news that, okay, um, the recession has hit, hit us really bad. We are running 50% in loss and we probably need to fire 100 of you guys, which is a huge number when it's an organization of 400 people. Even if news like that wasn't filtered out and was put out uh, transparently and openly to the rest of the organization. Uh, But imagine that news going out to 11,000 people for 10% of an organization who's 24,000 people today. That would create chaos that would uh, affect largely on an already depriving situation for the company. Uh, people probably won't be able to focus. So yes, there is some filtering out needed uh, is what I feel when it comes to huge and large organizations. Mm-hmm. But of course, that doesn't mean that you hide or manipulate the information. You just make sure that it reaches the right person in the right way and so that there doesn't that there is no chaos created out of this uh, information. Mm. I see your point. Yeah, I agree. The the size organization affects the the level of transparency. Absolutely, absolutely. But if we if we look at the team perspective, then um, <laughs> I mean the the transparent team. I'm thinking. Well, let me give you an example. If like, what do you say this team need in terms of transparency? Um, you have a team uh, of a few people that are that they very nice to each other. They very like pleasant to each other. They like to work with each other, right? And uh, they give very positive only feedback to each other. Only very positive feedback and right one. So 
um, they they deliver as they should uh, from the backlog. Um, yeah, uh, they don't share their own um, goals, long-term goals with each other. They don't tell each other maybe that I want to learn this technique or this software, this software in a year or two, because I'm interested in that. Um, they don't discuss that. Um, yep, I think that's a missed opportunity. I think it's maybe what you're driving to, right? It's like, like I'm I'm very keen in my team to make your goals public, right? Um, I'm quite happy to have my goals up on the wall and yeah. for everyone to see what where I struggle yeah. and where I'm looking to um, improve um, and for people to offer help. I think that's one of the biggest things that a team could do by sharing their goals and say, yeah, I've, I can help you with that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Interesting. One of the things that you mentioned was that they give positive feedback to each other, but are they avoiding having hard conversations? That's another part of it, right? Uh, can they hold themselves to account um, or are they perhaps avoiding having that awkward conversation? I think that's another thing that, that really strong cultures do, right, is that um, when no one's looking, right, are they, are they holding themselves to their own standards? Yeah, and you know, that thing is Sweden, I'm, I'm not Swedish by birth myself, really, and I struggle sometimes, to be honest. Is it the team culture when this happens? Is it a team culture or is it a Swedish mentality? I don't know. It could be. It can. It could be a combination of both, uh, is, is what I would say. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it somewhere differs a lot from people to people. Uh, my current organization, we are a very diverse um, team. Yeah. We come from a lot of different uh, regions and a lot of different nationalities and a lot of different work culture and experience as well. Um, I'm not sure if I should just say that I'm privileged or lucky, but I do have colleagues who wouldn't step back to just point and say, ha you did a boo-boo. And, and then they would step up and then, okay, this is how you should do it. Or this is how you should fix it. Or if even if they just see that I'm uh, struggling with something, they wouldn't hold back to come and do, ask me if I need help. Mm. Because f- from where I come from, I have a little uh, self-cautious where I, I'm not very open to going out and asking like, okay, I'm a little weak. Can you help me with this? I would rather put all my energy in learning it myself. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I think I'm sort of lucky to have such uh, diverse culture where people are ready to help each other and, you know, like step up and even show what we're doing wrong. So it, it really helps uh, in learning, as you said. Mm-hmm. Although we don't uh, really have that goal setting yet uh, that you mentioned, Paul putting my goals on a wall and then somebody stepping in and showing me, okay, if this is your goal for the year, I can be of your help. That kind of transparency would definitely, uh, mm. yeah, take us to mm. next level, I feel. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, you, that's just a step that I took, right? But even my organization, that's generally a conversation between you and your manager, right? Exactly. And kind of, yeah, so yeah. you've kind of constrained the net just between those two people, between that interaction. Mm. Um, from my perspective, like, I probably align with Katerina on this, right? Just, just make it public, right? Be transparent. Yeah. What's what's the worst that could happen? Exactly, exactly. But, you know, if you ask me, I was thinking, okay, what is transparency for me personally? Because there are different aspects that we talked about now, right? But for me personally, for me personally, maybe, and right or wrong, I don't know, really. Uh, 
But for me, personal transparency is that we in our team, we, we see value in being different and we use it for our for our team to evolve, really. Uh, we understand each other's driving forces and we help each other to grow in our professional role in the way necessary. Uh, I mean, and then, then it's different depending on what kind of team it is, uh, what kind of... What kind of um, tasks you do, right? How many people you are, if you distribute a team or not, it, it can be different. But yeah, your thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, I, I think it does add a huge value. Uh, what what kind of team it is. And I think it differs from team to team, as you said, because our daily tasks differs as well. Uh, Paul, you come from a software development kind of environment. Uh, for me and Catherine, we are more like uh, IT service <laughs> yeah so maybe for us the worlds are a little a little different um, for you you might always have like a target okay this is something we have to achieve by the end of this month uh, for us middle of the month there would be a priority one case because something broke down and now we have to forget everything else and jump into this uh, priority work to do so yeah I, for us, we definitely need uh, this transparency and team, diverse team that uh, helps each other and holds each other's hands. Well, on a final note then, because obviously I feel like we could talk about this conversation for hours. Like you're all super passionate about it. And I really hope that our listeners have kind of like got that from you conveying your opinions. But what I think would be wonderful for us to end on is um, another one of Paul's questions. So you wanted to ask, you know, what resources, so be that books, podcasts, videos, anything like that, that you would recommend to dig in more? I mean, it's an important question because maybe our listeners can take away something, maybe read up more about this um, topic. But Paul, what resources do you recommend? A hundred percent. I'm packing my own question here. Um, so I'd want to, I'd want to propose three. Um, the first one is a book by a guy called James Kerr called Legacy. Um, I'm a little bit biased here because I lived for nine years in New Zealand. Um, so the book's all about, he, he embeds himself as a writer into the, the, the New Zealand All Blacks and he wanted to un- uncover what makes that team special. Um, so he has 15 leadership lessons from the, from the All Blacks. A great read. Um, really interesting. Um, the second one I want to talk about is um, Patrick Leon Lynchoni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team. That's a really good read, um, which covers many of the things that we've perhaps touched on today. Um, the final one, which I probably want to consider as the kind of definitive source talking about um, culture, is Daniel Coyle's Culture Code. Um, so Again, he's a, a sports writer by trade, um, but he went in as a kind of embedded reporter, had conversations with some of the best um, organizations in the world, like Pixar, spent time with Ed Catmull, um, and really tried to uncover what makes those organizations great. So I'd prom- probably want to offer those free as a, a good starting point if you're interested in diving more into this topic. No, I think that's great. Some great suggestions. Um, Cassie Maduro, do you have any um, resources that you use? Well, you know, to be honest, I actually, I thought about it. I don't have like any any um, specific book that I can recommend you because honestly, I haven't read that many about the leadership. I had a different approach to 
to that, I went, I went to a few leadership courses that few that were quite inspiring and life changing for me personally. Um, and one of those maybe know there is a company called Tough Leadership based in Stockholm, where they are absolutely wonderful, very inspiring people. Um, but what I would like to recommend is that if to our listeners and to you guys, if you like to um, to reflect on the subject a bit more, you know, is to actually um, do that, to reflect on it together with a colleague. As one way of working, um, I had um, ref- reflection, uh, walk and talk meeting with a few colleagues like every second second week. We went out uh, on a walk for a, for an hour every second week and just talked about this topic, like this situation happened or like we did right here. I have this theoretical question. What do you think about it? And just let yourself think aloud together. Yeah. So one of the things we do as a, as a site here in, in Sweden, which I think is really good, is we have a retrospective. Yeah. So not like a sprint retrospective that you might have within your teams, mm-hmm. but taking a step back from that as a, as a site, as a team, mm-hmm. as a culture, yeah. where are we strong? Where are we weak? What would we change? You know, the, the typical kind of retrospective um reflection reflections that you have you would have um i think that works really well um helping both to maintain and and develop the culture over time much harder in a much larger organization right so as you scale um that that becomes much harder to maintain um but i think it's i think it's a good good idea yeah absolutely madura do you have any resources that you like to use talking about resources i think i'm gonna as i said paul retrospect on where we began uh, in this podcast altogether, uh, there is no one definition. So there cannot be one uh, source uh, for your um, information here. Of course, there are great books. Uh, I personally have read The Phoenix Project, uh, which I really like uh, and could replicate on a lot coming from a large organization. Uh, So for huge scale industries or huge scale uh, IT world, I would recommend uh, that book for sure yes there are interesting podcasts where uh, similar thinkers like us try to put or contribute into this uh, into this thought process a little bit so of course that is one source that you can use as well but uh, I would definitely agree with uh, Katrina here that we should be the one um, that make the decision the resources like the books the podcast can definitely act as our inspiration mm-hmm. Uh, but nothing can define a team culture for your team. You have to be the builder of it. Fantastic. And I think a great point. Yeah, absolutely. A fantastic point to end us on there, Madora. Thank you. So unfortunately, our time has come up. Um, and before we end the podcast, what I would like to do is just say thank you so much to all of our guests for sharing their thoughts. So today they have been Madora, technical lead at Polestar, Paul, Software Development Manager at Navico Group, and Katia, Agile Manager at Folksum. Now, if you would like to participate in a future podcast or would like to discuss how maybe we can help you find the perfect next addition to your team, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, thank you so much to all of our guests and thank you for those of you that are listening. We hope that you can join us next time.